This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, today continues... I have to change gears here in my head for a second. Uh, Today, uh, we continue with our January kind of theme of, it's sort of a series on renewal. Uh, We talked about uh, being a new creation a couple weeks ago, and then last week we talked about renewing our heart. And today, uh, we're talking about renewing our minds. Um, to renew something means to sort of restore it, to refresh, to make it new. There's, there's a lot of uh, TV shows now where people refresh and renew things. Uh, one of my dad's, uh, one of my favorites, too, is, uh, oh, and I can't think of the name of it. It's the one where they take the old rusty cars and they restore them. Um, my dad loves that one. Uh, it's such a cool show. And so they'll take old cars and fix them up and spend like way too much money on them. <laughs> um, but that's one of our favorites. And uh, you'll see it where the, the you know, antique roadshow people take things, they fix them up. So it's, it's the idea of taking something that's old and kind of bringing it back to new life. Um, revitalizing it. But that also can be not just physical objects. It could be relationships. Um, by the way, if it's an ex, maybe there's a reason they're an ex. Just going to warn you there. But, um, you know, it could be it could be a relationship. Uh, you know, it could be in January. Let's renew that gym membership and get back into the swing of things. Uh, although January is a terrible month to try to start anything new because January is like it's already like, what is it, the 46th of January right now? It's like crazy. It's such a long month. So um, but we're talking about renewing our minds. And um, since we're talking about the mind, I uh, just want to ask you a question this morning. In, um, I came across this, and it's terrible, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, what kind of fish performs brain surgery? Surgeon. Surgeon. A neurosturgeon. <laughs> Doug, good job, Doug. Oh, you almost ruined it for me, Doug. You almost ruined it. A neurosturgeon. I was doing sermon research that came up yesterday, and I had to share it. My wife rolled her eyes at me this morning when I shared it before I left the house. She's like, that's the worst joke I've ever heard. So, um, But we talk about renewing our mind, and we're going to be focusing on um, a couple of passages, one of those Christine read for us. But we're actually going to start in Romans chapter 12, um, verses 1, but especially verse 2. And this is what uh, Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy— to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Now, this is probably going to come back next week because next week we're talking about renewing our bodies, um, our strength. But here's what verse 2 says. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, when Paul wrote this, he was writing it to the to the Jews, uh, to the well, to the Christians rather. Uh, he was in Corinth. He wrote it to the Christians that were living in Rome at the time, um, both former Jews and then Gentiles. Um, as you recall, we've talked about this before that up until Jesus came, those that weren't Jewish had no path to redemption. Um, they had to without converting to Judaism. So when Jesus came and through the writings of Paul, we see that change to where now everyone has that path to redemption without converting to Judaism um, through following and through belief in Jesus. So that's what we're seeing. And so Paul is talking to them about this nature of salvation, the role of faith and 
the inclusion of both the Jews and the Gentile in God's plans because there was a little bit of friction between the two um, because the Jews kind of came into it with some knowledge of, of ancient scripture and, and some basic understanding of who God is. And uh, the Gentiles came without that. A lot of them, some of them came from pagan culture, from the Roman. If you ever go to, to Greece or Rome, you know, you see the, the temples to all of the gods and goddesses and all of that sort of thing. So, so there's definitely some, so he's kind of setting this sort of, even kind of, I guess, platform saying that, you know, in God's eyes, this is, you know, you're all sort of the same and this is kind of how it should be moving forward. So it's this idea of salvation, the role of faith and uh, including each other, you know, how they're both included in God's plan, how one's not better than the other because they've been at it longer or anything like that. But he also um, talks about in Romans 12, when he transitions our passage today, he actually transitions from doctrinal issues to more practical things, kind of like this is how you live as this diverse community, because you can imagine what they would be like in Rome, would be like going to New York City or one of our big cities. Um, us out here, not quite so diverse, um, but if you go into bigger cities, how diverse, the diversity of people from all walks of life, and, and Rome was like that. So it's this diverse Christian community facing sort of the, the, the trying to the, the mold and mend together from all of these different walks of life and places and systems and um, cultural backgrounds. So Paul's encouraged them to find their unity through, through following God. Let God determine the will for you. Um, you know, you are unified through Christ and what he has done for you. And he starts with that by, by renewing their minds so that they can know the will of God. And renewing our minds involves its transformation. It's kind of reprogramming how we think, if you will. Um, it's, it's changing our attitudes, our, our even how we view the world. Um, it's going from this, uh, and, and this is the way the world is right now. It's, it's going away from this self-centered, um, it's about me. If you know what I'm talking about, watch, be in the, a line at the grocery store and watch a new lane open up. Um, and, and that's that's kind of the world we live in. It's like the new lane. It used to be back, oh, no, you were here first. Now it's like, oh, let's open, you know. Um, it's, it's sort of a different world than it used to be. Um, same thing when, you know, PennDOT decides, hey, we're going to do construction right here in the middle of rush hour, and it's going to go down to one lane. It's sort of that idea that people zipping ahead and whipping around each other. We live in a, a me, self-centered culture. Um, it's always been that way, but it seems to be a little bit worse as of late. But it's also getting away from that worldly thinking from instead of aligning our, our minds with what the world says is important, what the world says we should be doing, what, what the world says, it's aligning it to, to God, the way that God thinks, including how we see the world, how we see people in the world, um, how we function in community. Um, it's basically aligning ourselves with God's will. That's why Paul says in verse 2, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, it's, it's not such a big deal for us as churches. We're a little bit smaller. If you've ever been in a big church and you ask somebody, what's God's will for our church? Well, I think it's children's ministry. Well, I think it's youth ministry. Well, I think it's young adult ministry. Well, I think it's this. I think it's that. Um, it's that idea of right, what's God's will for us. It's a discussion that we've even had as a church because um, we, we, we lack children. It's like, well, you know, we want to see more children, but then we start thinking, well, maybe God's will for us is, is to help find people that are without a church home that are older that now find themselves empty nesters or later in life. Maybe that's what our, so we don't really know. It's kind of figuring out what God's will is for us. But in order for us to do this, we have to make sure that we're filling our lives with the things of God, with worship and prayer and steady. And this is consistent that we have to make sure, as I said last week, that God's voice has a greater presence in our life than anything else. You know, if, if the only voice that God has in your life is an hour on Sunday morning and the rest of the time it's it's Facebook and it's, you know, it's the news and it's other things, um, guess which voice is going to sort of resonate loudest in your head? 
And so that's why we have to make sure God has as much presence in our life as anything else in this world. And it's allowing the things of God to shape us and not the things of this world. It's, it's understanding that, that w- what God thinks is important and it's different than what the world would say is important. So the only way that we're going to break away from the influence of the world is to let God be the primary influence in our lives. But we also have to be aware of, of, of the shifting culture of our sinful behaviors. And in that, again, letting God sort of guide us helps with those things. But also means transforming the mind does mean transforming the heart because the heart's what controls our desires, our heart's what controls our motivations, our affections. I mean, how many times have we let our heart guide us and do something stupid that our brain's like, no, don't do that. And your heart's like, yes, I'm going to do it. You know, we've all been there, <clears throat> love. You know, we do those sorts of things Like we, we, we follow. You know, they always say follow your heart. But sometimes your brain's like, no, don't do that. No, no. Uh, so you kind of have to let the two sort of balance them out. And again, that's where God comes into play. Um, because the way we think affects the way we live. Um, the way we think about others affects how we live and treat others, how we live in community. Um, it affects our decisions, our relationships, and our overall lifestyle. So that's why it's so important that we renew our minds. But it's also why Paul says in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, with Christine read, what he says here is so important. Um When he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I'm not sure about anybody else. Um, I know I've talked about this, but I've told you, I've confessed that I'm an overthinker, right? We've talked about this, that the last thing you ever want to say to me is we need to talk and then not tell me why. <laughs> and I've shared that my wife used to do this. It still does this to me. And she knows better because I've told her not to do it. And she'll say, like, hey, we need to talk. And then she'll like go back to work or whatever she tells me on break. And in my brain, all of a sudden, I'm having an argument. Now, I'm not saying that's an argument. I didn't do anything. I necessarily did anything wrong. But I'm thinking, what did I do this morning? <laughs> you know, have I made it? You know, and so that, all of a sudden, I'm overthinking it. Uh, Charlie Herring has done this to me a couple times with PPRC meetings. We need to have a PPRC meeting. I'm like, oh, gosh, the church is firing me. You know, Pastor Parish Relations Committee, by the way. That's what that stands for. So I'm an overthinker because what I'll do is I will run full-blown scenarios in my head. If you say we need to talk, I will figure out what it is we need to talk about. I will, I will have the conversation, both sides of that, in my head, and I will come to a solution uh, of why I'll defend myself. And, and usually what happens is it ends up being nothing. But I have this, 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 I have this habit of, and some people do this too, catastrophizing. You ever heard of that? It's a cognitive behavioral thing where you take something and you just assume the worst about whatever that is, and it's something that I struggle with, uh, expecting expecting the worst without evidence. So the, our mind can play tricks on us. That's why renewing our mind is important because our, our mind can really mess with us sometimes. But that's why Paul tells us that we should be thinking on good things. Things that are true, again, catastrophe, true, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. We're supposed to be thinking about good things. Um, these all sound like things that God would, would have us do. It, it sounds like godly things. And so we have to guard our mind against those negative thoughts that can influence the rest of our lives, including our heart, including our, our strength, how we live. But this also includes not believing everything we hear just because we hear it over and over again. That's not necessarily believing a lie because there, there's a thing where if you hear a lie enough, you start to believe it. 
And we have to be careful with that. Now, this is politics aside. How many of us have been told untrue things about us? And we started to believe them. You're not good enough. You're not lovable. You're too dirty. You're, you're too sinful. You're too this. You're too that. How many of us have heard that? How many of us have seen children or, or young folks today? And there are people in our world that are like this, that have heard this stuff so much that they've come to believe it. And they've done that self-fulfilling prophecy thing where they started to believe it, so they started to live it. If I tell you you're not lovable, you start to think you're not lovable, then you're going to live like you're not lovable. You're going to assume God doesn't love me because God can't love me because why? I'm unlovable. But nobody else can love me. That person doesn't really like me. That's all fake because I'm not really lovable, so they can't really love me. It's all a lie. See what I mean? And you have to be careful because next thing you know, maybe you're seeking love from places you shouldn't be seeking love. And that goes for everything. And so we have to be careful that, that we don't believe sometimes the things that we hear, um, whether it's on the media or from other people. That just because somebody says it over and over again doesn't always make it true. But the same is also true in the real world that sometimes we'll hear things. And I've heard these things from um, not necessarily celebrity, but, but people who have a voice that really don't deserve to have a voice. Does that make sense? Because they get sound bites and they're sound bited and, and the media, of course, shares it because of what well, we like, you know, fear sells. Uh, conflict sells. So that includes, I've seen pastors share, share outright lies that people come to believe, well, this is a pastor, he said it, but that's not necessarily true. So we have to be careful that we have to sort of take whatever truth we hear, or supposed truth we hear, and we have to put it up against God's word. Because God's word is the ultimate truth. Jesus says in, Ma in John 14, 16, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. So if, if we're taking something and we're saying, well, this is what this person said, so it must be true. And it's like, well, Jesus didn't say that. And Jesus actually said the opposite. Who should we believe? Jesus. But there's one other trick the mind can play that I want to share. And I, this is because I struggled with it um, after my mom died. And some of you that have grief issues have struggled with this as well. It's rumination. Have you ever made a mistake and then just thought about it? I do this sometimes. I'll say stupid stuff and be like, oh, I should have said that. I just, you know, you're, you're muttering to yourself like you're crazy. You know, like it's rumination. It's continuously thinking the same negative or distressing thought. It's taking something and focusing on it over and over again. It's past. You can't change it. Um, it's over mulling over past mistakes, past events or concerns with ever not ever having a resolution. And some of those things you'll never you may never, ever have a resolution for. But the problem is the more we think about those things, the more they seem to occur. So that mistake you made one time, the more you think about it, it feels like you keep making it over and over again. The same is true um, if you have to make a phone call and you don't want to make the – my kids do this sometimes. I did this a couple months ago because I had to make a phone call I didn't want to make. Um, and you have to make this phone call and you put it off, but you keep thinking, oh, I need to make that phone call. Oh, I need to make that phone call. And I, and, and I had somebody tell me every time you think I have to make that phone call, it's like adding it to your to-do list. So instead of having to make that phone call one time, all of a sudden now you got to make that phone call like two dozen times in your brain because you keep thinking about it. But this also carries over to grief. And when you continue to 
dwell on a loss. It's like that loss happens over and over again. That's why we have to guard our minds because our minds can just lead us, but then that affects the heart and it pulls you to a dark place. So we have to be careful because that's why Paul also tells us the beginning of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's so important, he says, wait, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just a couple situations, not just the ones you can't control, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, so much peace that you won't even understand it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to be on the lookout for joy. We need to be looking for the joyful things, the good things, the thankful things in our lives, the positive things, counting our blessings continually because When we focus on those things and we realize the promises of God that have been fulfilled, it's easier to trust God with the promises that are yet to come. And when we are anxious, when our minds are playing tricks on us, we should stop and pray. I actually, a few years ago, I was struggling with something and and started doing some research with some negative, a negative thought I had, nothing wild, but just something that was eating at me. And I read that whenever those negative thoughts come up, that you should picture a stop sign. So that negative thought comes and all of a sudden you picture a stop sign that's just like stop. And it sort of like makes your brain change gears. So what if we picture that stop sign and, and like it says, you know, we stop and then we pray. In every situation, we should be praying. We should, we should be in continual communion with God. And when we feel those things, asking his spirit to calm and calm my fears. Please take away this thing that is sort of I'm dealing with. Now on a side note, I do want to say... It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. I'm not going to be one of those that says, oh, you don't need a therapist because you have Jesus. Sometimes it's good to have somebody to talk through things with. Sometimes it's good to have somebody to help guide you through that thing. Um, so I'm not saying that it's, it's bad to have a therapist. I'm just going to throw that one out there too. But it is important that we, we do give our concerns over to God. And as it says, when we present our requests to God, then the peace of God, which will transcend our understanding, so much peace because we know that God is in control. And see, that's the peace that will then guard our hearts. It's going to guard our minds. It's asking God's spirit to come in. And remember, we've talked about the Holy Spirit ad nauseum, uh, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, as I said last week, it's that asking the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And what's Jesus say? You know, how much more do you who who give good things to your children, if if your child asks for bread, would give him a snake, how much more that you give good things to your children, how much more was God going to give us the Holy Spirit if we ask for it? Let us pray. To God, we come to you now.
I ask if there is anybody here who's struggling, um, struggling with negativity, with negative thoughts, just struggling with negative emotions, just struggling in general. I ask now that you would send your peace to them, that you would send your spirit into their hearts, into their minds, that your spirit would work within them. They would give their concerns to you, that you would take away anxiety and depression, and you would fill them with your Holy Spirit so that they could have love and joy and peace and all of those things. We ask this in Jesus' name.